Welcome back everyone to the Nowscast. I'm your host Naus and I have today here with me my good friend Fe Freakles, a ridiculously prolific author in the Harry Potter fandom with over 10 stories written and have more, half more complete. He is most known for A Simple Act of Vengeance and its sequel, as well as a malignant ruse to his chagrin. Uh, he's going through a challenge of writing a one-shot per month with unusual pairings in the fandom and has delivered the single best Sully fic I have ever read. Red. Thank you for joining us, Fritos. How are you today? Oh, it's great to be here. I'm doing very well. Thanks. Awesome. So, how old were you when you started reading fanfiction and how long ago that was? As a oh, gosh, it was a long time ago. Uh, I think that I was probably in my early teens and I started with anime fanfiction. Which one? Um, Gundam Wing and Ooh. Escaflone. Escaflone, I don't know, but Gundam Wing was a <laughs> it was one from my childhood for sure. And yeah. how did you find, how did you <coughs> find the fanfiction at the time? Uh, how did I find it? I found it. I used uh, fanfiction.net. Um. No, but I mean, and someone indicated you, or did you search it? Or... I think I just searched it, and I there's only one fic that I recall from those days, and it was this brilliant romance from the Escaflone uh, uh, fandom, and mm -hmm. it, I actually like went and searched the name, and it was called What a Rainbow Feels Like, and it's a completely weird. like <laughs> it's a completely alternate universe fic. It has nothing to do with the anime except for the characters. Uh -huh. um, and it was like, it's magnificent. Like, even to this day, it holds up. Oh, and that's impressive. that was really kind of the last that I read of uh, any fan fiction. Mm -hmm. I, I read for maybe a year and a half, two years. And then, you know, life moved me forward. And mm -hmm. I kind of forgot about it until how Harry Potter. Hmm? The, uh, how does a rainbow feel? How long was it? The story itself. Um, I want to say it was like ten to fifteen chapters, maybe like fifty thousand words. Eh, substantial. Okay. Right. It wasn't like an epic no, by sure, any means, sure, but sure. it was good. Very like very well written romance. And what made you do the jump from reader to writer when you started uh, a simple act of vengeance? Well, I wanted to talk about how I found Harry Potter fan fiction. Cause <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> because that, I actually never read the books when they came out. Um, and I never saw any of the movies. Oh. And I was, uh, doing my undergraduate degree and my best friend at the time was a huge Harry Potter fan. Oh boy. Um, he would do like Harry Potter trivia contests and all that and just very, that, that um, sounds amazing. Like, he was like one of those uh, like hardcore fans. And uh -huh. he told me, he said, you know, you're my best friend. This is something that's really important to me. And you never like read it. You don't know anything about it. So I want you to read the series. Mm -hmm. So I on spring break one year, these foreign students um, wanted to go to Disneyland. And they didn't have driver's licenses in America. So they paid me oh. to drive them to Florida. Mm -hmm. and. <clears throat> At the time, you know, I drove them there. You were and... where, so like I have a pretty much reference. So 
I was living in the southwest United States, uh, not too far from where Firefawn lives, if I remember that, if I remember the podcast with her. <laughs> so I feel Dave so, was free. Yeah, it was, a, it was like a 27-hour drive. Jesus Christ. And I drove them out there, <laughs> and I had nothing to do because I didn't want to go to Disneyland, and I didn't pay for any tickets or anything, so mm-hmm. I was just there for a week, waiting. And so I uh, brought all seven Harry Potter books, and I read them in a week. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and this was like three, two or three years after Deathly Hollows came out, so uh-huh. the craze was over, and I hated it. I did not like Harry Potter. Um, the character or the book? Or both? The book. Uh, <laughs> so I came back, and I told my friend, I said, you know, I, I'm just not a fan of this. Like, I, I thought it was... Like, I thought the ending was terrible. Like, I thought that the last book, like, you know, it was like she just wrapped it up because the story needed to end, not because she had actually planned anything out. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, we should probably, like, watch the movies because a lot of people like the movies. (laughs) So (laughs) he might make it better. (laughs) So he put in uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher, the Sorcerer's Stone, you know, U.S. version. Uh, So we're watching this movie. And I happened to take a lot of psychedelic mushrooms before watching this. Fantastic. <laughs> Best thing possible to do when watching so, a magical movie. Oh, so I was tripping balls. And <laughs> and uh, we're watching it. And the first thing I said was, I can't believe how British they are. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you know, it's British actors. The series is set in England or in Scotland. And I was like, all right, all right. And so we're watching it, and he looks over like halfway through, and I'm like sobbing. And he's like, what's the matter now? <laughs> I was like, you know, it's just so sad that Harry never got any Christmas presents. <laughs> so, I should try that once. <laughs> so, I mean, I heartily recommend it. It made it amazing. But suffice to say, my my relationship with Harry Potter isn't quite what I think a lot of fans is. Um but that being said, I was so dissatisfied with the ending that, like, a lot of other people who are involved in fan fiction, you know, I wanted to, mm-hmm. I was interested in reading something that I felt would uh, be, would tie it together more effectively. So that was how I found Harry Potter fan fiction, which was probably, I don't know, seven, eight years after, probably even longer than I found, um, you know, the anime fan fiction back in the day. Mm-hmm. And after that, I read for maybe like a story every three or four months um, from then on until present. Oh, so not like a very avid reader. Just No, not at all. Mm-hmm. What made you want to start writing instead of just reading? It was entirely COVID. Um, I was uh, doing my PhD and mm-hmm. I was teaching uh, a class at a university and COVID, the shutdown hit in the middle of the semester. So they the university told all of the all of the teachers they said uh you know we're going to give you 2 weeks um so you have spring break and one week after spring break in order to completely change your class from in person to online only oh jesus so <clears throat> it i thought it was going to be a really difficult thing but you know i had designed the curriculum um you know i had the syllabus planned out so it took me about uh, 8 or 9 days to do all the lectures recorded or to get all the lectures recorded, oh, that um, was quick. you know, modify all the assignments. And then for the rest of the semester, while well, my students, you know, I, I would dole out the lectures and the assignments as needed, but I uh-huh. had essentially like, done. I don't know, 
almost three months uh, where I, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, I I didn't have to uh, go into class three times a week and teach. I wasn't meeting with my uh, dissertation committee because we couldn't meet in person. And so I had all this free time and I thought, you know, maybe I should just write a story. Um, Work-life balance had been a real issue for me during my uh, studies. Um, and I, I felt like I didn't have any hobbies and I didn't do anything for myself. So I just, one night, uh, I wrote the first chapter of a simple act of vengeance. I posted it the next day. Once my, you know, fan fiction account, you know, you have to wait 24 hours. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. You can't publish the same day you make an account. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Probably. So I published it the next day and that was it. Uh, oh, that's awesome. It was back in April. 2020, that's right. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And when you started writing, uh, did you focus on something uh, at first, or uh, uh, you went ahead as if it was a an essay or something? And do you wish you knew something that you know now uh, at the time? Um, I I mean, I had a I had an outline that I put together in like a half an hour um, when I first started, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be 25 chapters or so <laughs> sure and <laughs> and of course you know it ended up being 51 chapters so more than double um but i i just thought like oh you know i really want to write this voldemort fight and that's it like that was all i wanted was the fight um the meteor exactly uh so i i kind of just thought well like i've got to get to that point you know i don't want to just have it be like something silly that's obviously only in, you know not a real story at all just a fight so i mm-hmm. had to create this whole background story and that ended up being a lot more fun than an actual fight but you asked uh if there was something i wish i knew when i started and i had such a hard time with dialogue writing dialogue um there's this rhythm to writing a conversation mm-hmm. and i struggled with it so much and If it's you go really back hard. and read the first 10 chapters of A Simple Act of Vengeance, it's just a mess. Like, no one talks like that in real life. <laughs> um, um, so that that took me some time. And I think the way that I got past it was um, I would speak out loud the conversations, like what my, you know, like, if it was inside quotation marks, yep. I would say it out loud before I published it. And j- that helped me think, like, this is terrible. It's um, funny. But, uh, Phoenix mentioned the same thing the le- in the last podcast. I know I haven't. Uh, listen to it yet but he said exactly the same thing read all your dialogues aloud it will make it better it's a i mean it's a it's good it's advice. a good advice uh, yeah for sure but you know there's so much that i'm still learning every day about mm-hmm. writing um you know i there's there's these general truths like if you if you if you ask people who are involved in the harry potter fandom the fan fiction community you know they'll tell you things like oh well tropes are bad um and that's just not true like and i think that we get so caught up in what we assume like the most hardcore of readers want that it ends up negatively affecting our stories so you know just i mean when you learn about go ahead the reason most people call a certain trope bad or, or something It's because it's the same thing with cliches. Uh, once it's overdone and overdone in a bad way, people tend to connect uh, the bad things to the genre instead of 
separating uh, what's good and what's bad. So they all get lumped together. So tropes are a bad thing in everyone's mind. Well, most people's mind because of they only because they only see the bad sides instead of the good ones. So yeah, that's a great point. You're right. Uh, we never think. Like, oh, this is a trope when it's something we're enjoying. It's only when we you don't we like see it. something that's poorly executed that we say, oh, this is this is stupid and tropey. Yep. Like, Lord of the Rings is basically the hero's journey. It's a trope. It's old-fashioned as fuck. But people love it. It's a great masterpiece. Probably won't ever be a book as well-written as the Tolkien Universe. Because it was a master. But it's still a pro. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You could boil down almost every story yeah, it's to very some to trope or another. Mm -hmm. um, has any of your professional or academic experience, you mentioned that you, that you thought uh, you had classes and were doing your PhD. Has any of it helped you in any way as far as writing goes? Uh, academia was no help whatsoever. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> no, I, I um... Because, so, like, you're so clean in your writing, because I, I, I thought that actually helped. No, uh, I, I mean, I, I think that I'm a good writer because I spent most of my life as a voracious reader. If you want to be a good writer, read. Um, yep. Know what's that's, out there. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's not even just about, like, stories and story structure. If you read a lot, your vocabulary improves, mm -hmm. your grammar improves, um, your sentence structure improves. You get so, new ideas, you know what's good, what what works, what doesn't. Right. Um I as far as academia, like I I mean I've I've published a journal article, um, and it was incredibly boring. Uh like What was the theme about? Can I ask? <laughs> it was about it was about advertising in uh mobile games mm. um but you know it, it's totally different like i i don't hey, think that there is different beast, yeah yeah exactly there's, there's not much parallels i i did work as a copywriter in marketing before i went back to graduate school and i would say that helped me a little bit um as far as the idea of um, kind of like cadence, like writing something that's pleasing to your eyes. Oh, uh, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, so there was there was some benefit in that regard. Yeah, I know you come up with so many ideas because you have to, considering how many stories you have. So, what is your process for defining what is a good enough idea that you can keep and use, uh, and how do you come up with them? I get ideas from everywhere, um, and I know that's such a, a stereotypical Vegas. response. Yeah. That's a non-answer. But, um, for example, in Living Company, which is my Suli one-shot, mm -hmm. uh, the entire story emerged from a throwaway joke in the TV show Arrested Development. Um, a single line from a, from a sitcom, uh, you know, a, a TV comedy, that uh -huh. I, I was watching it and I laughed, and... It just kind of, I thought about that joke like a couple days later, and I knew I'd wanted to write a Sue Lee one shot. Um, and so I thought, you know, that, that joke made me laugh, and I Do wonder you if I could. What the joke was? Uh, it's the Dick T. 
Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, the, in the in the show, um, one of the characters goes to a store called, um, I think it's Ancient Chinese Secret. That's the name of the show, I be- or the the store, I believe. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a a, a very like uh, cliche dressed um, Asian man, and the character who is like a wealthy white guy um, asks for. Um, something to put the tingle in his dingle and he keeps his voice very low and you know he mocks the the shop owner and you know kind of talks down to him and uh-huh. so the shop owner calls out in a really loud voice dong tea uh to embarrass him <laughs> and you know i i just thought of that like kind of situation of you know this this cuz the asian man obviously you know it was it was set in america you know, he's doing this as kind of like a marketing gig or, you know, he wants to appear authentic. Um, but at the same time, he's selling this like kind of dumb item, you know, like tea to help your, you know, your downstairs yep. region. Yep. Um, and I, I, I thought like, OK, you know, we don't see a lot of diversity in the hair, the magical world in Harry Potter. And so it wouldn't be that much of a leap, you know, for a character to have that same attitude of, you know, I'm just going to these. These people have no idea what it, you know, what being Chinese is like. So it's very you know, British centered. But I mean, in a more in a more general, so that's like one idea how it came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a single joke turned into a twenty five thousand word story. But <laughs> once I have an idea, I just start crafting conflict. And if I can't come up with anything interesting or compelling, I just put the idea aside until I can. If I do come up with something, then I run with it right away, which is why I have. A million unfinished stories. <laughs> they're, they're on their way. And when you do get your ideas, do you brainstorm with it? And how is it that how is the uh, brainstorming? Do you do it in sessions, in spurts? How do you do it? It it varies depending on the story. Um, and how so? that the it depends on how seriously I take the story. So, for example, uh, this will make probably people unhappy <laughs> but a malignant ruse i don't think about it very much um the same with a graceless tandem which was my honks uh yep. uh pairing mm-hmm. i just i didn't think about them very much and so i just sat down and wrote them out like a graceless tandem i remember i think i wrote five chapters in five days yeah because you, i just sat were, down and i was just like eh, whatever I remember. yeah uh and a malignant ruse is kind of the same thing. Like I didn't have to think very hard about it. Um, so there's very little brainstorming. Like I would just think to myself, ah, oh, you know, I haven't written this story in a while. And I would sit down and write the chapter in uh, four or five hours. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when it's something like wrath and remorse or, uh, the lost continent, I spend probably 12 hours brainstorming for every hour that I spend writing. Um, oh, you know, those stories are so much more complex. Sure. Um, I care about them a lot. So I want them, I want to do my best to make them as clean and uh, tight as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and where, I mean, I just brainstorm all the time, you know, yeah. when I'm walking my dog, when I'm at work, um, you know, when I'm making coffee, uh, it'll just come into my head and I'll start thinking like, what what's going to happen next in this story? Um, how am I going to get to X, Y, or Z? Um, so I think that's how I how I do it. Do you outline 
more or are you a more of a discovery writer or a mix of both? I'd say I'm more more of a discovery writer. Um, I do make outlines for every chapter, uh-huh. um, but I don't do story outlines because I found I found them to be counterproductive for my style of writing. Oh, so I have hey, everyone. Play. I'll write out an outline of every scene in a chapter um, before I write that chapter, but I don't do an outline of like a ten chapter arc or the whole story because it evolves and changes so much that. You know, like I said, I tried that with a simple act of vengeance where I had a, an outline for 25 chapters. And I remember going, I opened up the Word document that I had my outline in after I had published, I think it was the the, um, the third floor, the first year fight uh, with Coral. Uh, yeah. And that was chapter 13. And I opened up my outline and I realized that I was like 11 chapters behind where I should have been. <laughs> <laughs> And at that point, you know, you just say, well, this outline is useless. Like, I, I'm obviously not following it. It has no relevance to the story that I'm currently telling. Uh-huh. And that's been the, the way that I, I've dealt with outlines throughout my time of writing. You know, it just, I can't seem to follow them. How do you do, how do you deal with um, plot holes? Since you don't outline, you, you might discover that you basically... Uh, created a gap, uh, a a plot hole in your story because of it. How do you deal with that? Has that ever happened? <laughs> there was the channel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there not was to... the the thing with the timing that you that we that we had to. Uh, yes. Yeah. The, that was an issue. Um, How do you mostly? Uh, um, not protect yourself, but like, how do you fix whenever something bad comes your way uh, as a discovery writer? How do you deal with the pitfalls that discovery writing has? You know, I I don't think about it until it comes up, and it comes up so rarely. Mm-hmm. So I would say that that the reason I don't have to worry about it is because I reread my work so much um which is something that every un, i mean until your story is finished, finished and published um you should be rereading it all the time yep. um and but, but that's the thing of, with fanfic like we most people write and then publish before finishing the whole story so sometimes you can't uh, fix mistakes that you didn't see coming as you were writing. Oh, exactly. And I, I mean, if you're rereading your own work, like you can come up with like side plots a lot easier. Um, your characters feel more uh, genuine. Yeah, and they just don't. I'm, I'm trying to think of the right word here. Like if if you always have their voice correct. If you're if you're always rereading it, they don't ever act out of character or have. It, that's it. That's the word. Which of us is the native speaker here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, consistency is great. It, it's it's always something to aim for, especially as voice. Speaking of, how do you do? You try for a certain a certain voice for your characters, or do they come naturally? How do you come up? With with each character's voice and um, make them unique 
and distinct from one another. It's conscious. Uh, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want anyone to be confused of who's talking, and I want characters to have their own sense of individuality. Um, and if you want, if you know, if you're a writer and you want your character to have a specific and unique voice, create a backstory for them. Um, and I'm not saying that you should include that in your story mm-hmm. because oftentimes it's irrelevant and has nothing to do with the plot of your story. But for yourself, you know, think about who they are, what they've gone through, uh, how they reacted to challenges and successes. And once you have uh, an understanding of them as a person, then their voice comes naturally. Um you know, I think about like Gabrielle from Subtle Axis Sororicide, mm-hmm. and you know she's a hot mess and very unique and very individual. Probably yep. like one of my best characters that I've made, um, and I don't feel that she's unrealistic, despite how it's essentially like a crack fic. But she's one of the most realistic characters I've made, in my opinion, because she's so um, relatable. Like you should dislike her for how selfish. And stupid, mm-hmm. and you know, lazy she is. she is. Yeah, but at the same time, you kind of feel for her, and you kind of want to want her to succeed. So it speaks to the quality of the writing of the character writing that she's uh, someone you care for. Yes, even with despite every every flaw she has. Her flaws or why you care. Some yes, that that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, bringing back a, a bit. Uh, do you, as you're writing, do you research a lot? And what merits research for you in your stories? Uh, I think that it depends on how people are as an author. It's a very individual thing. So I can't say what people should or shouldn't research. Um, Myself, I research a lot of places. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if if my characters are going somewhere, um, I'll go on Google Maps and look at satellite photos. Um, I'll go (laughs) to the website of that town and read the Wikipedia page. Overall, I I think that there's an overemphasis on research where there's this assumption that like it has to be completely true to life or else you're a bad writer. And I don't think that's necessarily like the case. You know, not every plot calls for extreme realism in every situation. Um, and sometimes just the appearance of realism makes the story better. Uh, and I, I think about the meteor. Uh, in a simple act of vengeance, where you and I, I mean, <laughs> we spent hours, maybe days. Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, to the point where we were, we were discussing actual physics, yeah. like down to like formulae uh, of like falling objects and mass, and and it just started to feel like, what am I doing? You know, I'm writing a Harry Potter fanfic, and here <laughs> I am talking about this, and so. I at that point I kind of thought, all right, like this is counterproductive, you know. I and I I remember I think you and I had a conversation where I I said, 
how do I make this sound right? You know, like it doesn't matter if it would actually happen. But if you're reading this story, like, I don't want you to think, wow, well, that would never happen. But at the same time, like no one reading it. I did have one person reading it who actually messaged me and said, I'm an engineer and that's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But besides that, you know, nobody reading it thought like, well, like the mass and velocity ratios were off on that. You know, it's just it's fantasy. Like it's more about the description and the event itself. Uh, Just make it, you know, fake it till you make it with research. Yeah. And the character reactions as well. That's what matters. Um, You have way too many, well, way too many, it's a bit harsh, but you have several uh, plot, plots, plot lines, and many more to come. How do you not, how do you not get lost uh, in the plots? How do you, how can you compartmentalize each and every one without losing yourself? Part of it goes back to what I talked about with uh, uh, creating real characters. So, um, you know, I don't confuse, uh, you know, the Daphne in Wrath and Remorse with the Daphne in A Malignant Ruse because they're two totally different people. Um, And every story that I have, when I start a story, I have the A plot, um, you know, like the the main overarching Mm -hmm. conflict and plot line worked out in my head so you know every single story that i have i know how the main plot ends but the b plots and c plots and d plots if you're talking about wrath and remorse (laughs) (laughs) um you know those pop up organically so when i'm rereading things um which you know also is like a callback to what we talked about before Mm -hmm. um like the b plots come up on their own and i don't have to necessarily think about them as hard um because once once they're established and i have the idea i don't forget them i may modify them but uh, or i may go in different directions like i i was writing the next chapter of subtle acts of sororicide uh this weekend and i had written maybe like 1200 words and i went back yesterday morning and i reread what i had and then i went back and reread the the most recent chapter that I had published. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, like, I don't like where this subplot is going. And so I deleted the 1200 words and started over. Yeah, oh you just God. have to be willing to accept that sometimes your first idea may not be the best. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know if that's really an answer to how I keep it straight. I, I don't have an answer. I just do. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Uh, bringing back a bit, when you... When you finished uh, your Sully one-shot and you managed to edit and read in one go and without publishing and being able to fix it, uh, fix anything that you thought you needed more, like you added another scene, you could tie with it. Um, do you prefer doing a whole thing in one go? before publishing or do you or you don't mind that you have to that you publish chapter by chapter i think chapter by chapter is effect more effective for a larger cast um 
because you know the 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 long shot with Su Lee, it had really, I mean, two, maybe three characters total. You know, you had cameos from Hermione, cameos from Ron, Andromeda, Teddy, but for the most part, I mean, I feel like you could only say Harry, Su Lee, mm-hmm. and maybe Mandy were characters. Yeah, and. I loved writing it and I, I, it was great because I could like when I finished in living company, the Sue Lee fic, I thought to myself, like, this is what I should have done for subtle access to our side. Um, because that also was a smallish story. You know, I don't think, I don't think SAS will go past, you know, 50,000 words. So I could have just done it all in one go. But at the same time, because Subtle Axe has a larger cast where, you know, Teddy is a main character, yep. Floor is a main character, Gabrielle, Harry, Victoire, even. Um, I, you know, Teddy wasn't even supposed to be a big part of that story, and he's ended up becoming the main plot. Um, so I think that chapter by chapter allows you the the room to grow a story if you want to. If you're telling something simple you know, where there's not really any B plots, you know, you have this story in mind, that's fine to shoot it out in one go. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was great doing that. But for something more complex, I actually do think that the episodic format uh, is good because it you have to build tension. You know, otherwise, I I mean, you should build tension. Maybe people don't. But I want every chapter to end with people thinking, Whoa, like, what's going to happen, happen next? next? Yep. Without being a cliffhanger all the time, because that's, ho- that, that's the worst thing possible. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, of all your plots and stories, which one is your favorite and why? Well, I, you know, I, I said In Living Company is my best story, and I do believe that. Um, I think that it's the best piece of fiction that I've written to this point, but Wrath and Remorse is my favorite. Um, I, by now, every character in that story is essentially like an original character because I've changed them so much. Different, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's we're, even we're the what, best like, isn't seven? the same anymore. Even the what? Their best isn't the same. Right. Uh, I mean, it's uh, the, the story in the stories universe so within the story mm-hmm. it's been like nine years since a simple act of vengeance started and so everything is completely different um i loved the freedom of world building um you know i i tried to make the magical world as alive as possible rather than just you know british centric um yep. and i i mean i've just had such a blast with the ensemble it's uh where so big it's so huge. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I tried explaining the plot for my friend, and it took me over an hour and a half of speaking, and I still didn't get to the half. <laughs> That's how big it is. We talked before that you usually can separate characters because they're very different from one another, but most times Harry can be quite similar to one another in in your fix because at his core he's very um, unique and how do you make it so each Harry is different enough but it still is 
the Harry we know and love. Well, um, the reason I write Harry-centric stories hmm. is because the audience has such a connection with him. Yeah. And so even in my stories where, you know, it's completely AU, you know, something like a graceless tandem where Voldemort never existed. Yeah. Harry's parents are alive. Um, you know, he was never in any danger until he finished Hogwarts. You know, things like it was a to totally different person at that point. Yep. But you still want the audience to connect with him. And people are reading Harry Potter fan fiction because they want to read about Harry Potter. So I think that at a certain level, you know, you can't make. If you make a Harry Potter where Harry is acting like Draco Malfoy or uh, or is, you know, oh, as wrong. like irreverent as Ron Weasley, <laughs> then you have take you've lost some of the spirit. And I, I think that's one of the criticisms that I actually agree with of a lot of the, um, you know, the, the criticism of tropes where people will talk about like the indie Harry tropes. You have been and yeah, exactly. Independent Harry tropes, um, which are, you know, they, they say, oh, like Harry just like yells at everybody all the time. And it's and very he true. Has 10 where... family names and he owns <laughs> the council or the Wiesengamash or whatever. Right. And like 10 wives and yeah, you know, all, yeah, the, yeah. all the gold in yeah, the world. Um, and goblins but... bow to him whenever he walks by <laughs> because he calls them by their names. Right, no one's ever done that before. Yeah, no, of course not. <laughs> but you know, when you when you do that, the problem is is that you're that's not Harry Potter anymore because there's nothing about his character, his personality, that is remotely related to the story that people are reading fan fiction of. Um, and so, even when I make a completely AU story, I still want to include things like Harry's desire for family. Um, Harry's desire for friends, uh, like his, his sense of his loyalty, his sense of responsibility, where, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, realistically, if you look at canon Harry Potter, like there should be a lot more scenes of Harry yelling at everybody saying, I'm 13 years old. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, really, just a kid. exactly. Like there's this child that's like thrown into this war and put all this responsibilities put on him and Harry in in the original stories Harry almost never balks at that um you know he accepts it and takes up the mantle as of a hero and I think that is integral to his character no matter what situation he's placed in how would you go about uh if you wanted to write a dark Harry while still retaining his core values do you think it's possible? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I have written a dark Harry where he retains his values. No, 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 uh, no. That... Sorry, I, I meant an actual evil one, not just like killing. Oh, him. okay. Ah, um, actual... uh, like I'm sure it could be done. I think that I personally, as a writer, would very much struggle with it because. It wouldn't feel, it would feel too much, like I said, of where I'm making an original character and like slapping the Harry Potter label on it. Mm -hmm. Because I think to be like, you know, quote unquote, evil Harry, there has to be a certain element of joy in doing evil. And no matter how far Harry is pushed, I don't 
see it as very believable from if I were writing it. Um, you know, keep, keep in mind, like every, you know, I, I know that there are fics out there and writers who can do things that I can't mm-hmm. just flat out, you know, and so I'm not saying this can't be done, but for me, if I, if you told me like, Hey, I'll give you like a hundred dollars to write an evil, hairy story. I don't know that I could do it well. Okay. That's interesting. It, it, it would definitely be hard. It's something I very rarely enjoy reading. And I can only think of maybe two that I enjoyed. How do you choose which pairing you want for each kind of Harry you write? And how do you come up with their personalities? Why why do you think they match well? How do you decide what will match well? Uh, I mean, this is, in some ways, this is a very simple question. And in other ways, it's so complicated. <laughs> so uh, I pick the pairings basic now, I I would say, as a, where I'm at now as a writer, I don't enjoy writing characters that have preconceived notions with the audience. Um, and I, you know what, I think it was when I wrote my Harmony fic, uh, Taming Destiny, I got so much negative feedback, not based on the story, but on Hermione? the way that Hermione was written, where people say, oh, like, Hermione is dating someone else at the start of this story? Like, I'm out. Or, wow, you made Hermione a total slut because she is intimate with the boyfriend in that story that she had been dating for, like, four years. And I thought, wow, like, you know, this is, like, a really big turnoff for me as a writer because people don't want to read stories about Harry and Hermione getting together realistically. Mm -hmm. They just want to read, like, conflict-free, fix-it-fix, you know, where Ron is, you know, a mustache-twirling villain, and Dumbledore is like an old manipulator, and that's that's what the Harmony audience generally wants. Um, and I think that, you know, you you had on um, what Firefawn who said similar things about her when she wrote Daphne. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she got a lot of feedback from people who were just complaining that Daphne wasn't what they imagined in their head, um, and it, it's a really unfair thing for readers to do to writers um because it's if if i say up front hey i'm writing a story here with characters that you've heard of but they have different backstories and different pasts and the world is different you can't then turn around as a reader and say wow you know you really screwed up and the character is nothing like that um because it kind of violates the rules that i told you at the start of the story right Mm -hmm. so in general when i say like Okay, I want to write a new story. Um, I, I kind of can throw a dart at the at the wall and pick just a random character. So like Demelza Robbins. <laughs> I went on. I, I went on fanfiction.net. I, I know. I know you got uh, tired as you were writing, but I love that one. It was so yeah. Fun. I mean, it, it is a it is a fun story. I'll say that. But you know, I I just went and looked and I said, okay, like I want a character that no one knows. And there was not a single story when I wrote that that had tagged as the pairing Harry and Demelza. That wasn't so, a, a heron. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there were some where she figured in as like someone that like Harry like had sex with, but you know, she wasn't a real character. Yep. So um, in doing that, like 
people could read that story and appreciate the story that I wrote, the interactions of the characters, the plot that I had developed, without any of their preconceived notions of like, well, you know, I just can't see Hermione doing that. Like, you know, and that was so freeing as a writer for me to be able to say, oh, God, like, finally, I don't have to worry about, like, these people who have spent 15 years loving a character um, to the point that they can't separate, like, the words on the screen from their relationship with that character. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think it's great that people like appreciate, you know, creative work in that way where they, they feel so strongly that they can't, you know, the same way that I said, I can't think of a way I could write an evil Harry. Mm -hmm. People can't think of a way that they could read, you know, a different Hermione or exactly. That isn't, uh, um, that doesn't love Quidditch or something like that. Yes. So if I, when I pick a, a pairing, that's how I start. I say, okay, well, you know, this, this idea that I have, um, can I just like insert an original character really with a name from canon? And if I can do that, I'm happy. If I can't, then I'm in trouble. Guess, <laughs> so it's harder. <laughs> I guess that's why people uh latched on to Daphne at the start. Now she's she has a preconceived notion that the ice queen and stuff, but at the start she was basically a tabula rasa that people could uh use the name and write whatever they wanted. Combined with the fact that she was in Slytherin, so you had that uh dynamic between uh Slytherin and Gryffindor. But Absolutely. she was essentially that the same way. She was simply a name in the fandom. A nice name. I love the name Daphne, but that's neither here nor there. Um, speaking of making original characters, you started writing art. You decided to write uh, an original fiction. How is that different from fanfic? And do you like doing it? Original fiction is really hard um and i like it a lot because there's so much freedom everything that i just complained about 10 seconds ago uh <laughs> does not apply yep um and so the world you is have... your oyster exactly i mean i have total freedom to write whatever i want the world can be whatever i want um and it's magnificent in that way mm -hmm. so creatively it can't be beat however realistically world balancing your world building and your plot is extremely complicated uh and in fan fiction it is not a complication whatsoever because, because every it, single person that reads your fanfic knows the harry potter world they wouldn't be reading your story otherwise yep. so i don't have to explain like you know what this spell does and i don't have to explain how like magical schools or owls work um but it's, you also can't explain it in a info dumpy way, so it's doubly hard when you have to explain something in your own world. Right, and I mean, also the the fact that there's no built-in audience, so um, True. it's like fan fiction is about telling a group of people who love a story. My story um, is going to let you recapture some of those feelings. 
original fiction is about just getting people interested in your story period in the first place yep and uh especially when you're writing fantasy that is a very tall order um so i i've had an easier time writing um i'm writing two original fictions right now one is this like grand fantasy epic um that mm-hmm. is extremely hard for me to write because of all the things I listed. And the other one is a more general romance that's set in like relatively contemporary times, you know, pre COVID, of course, because who <laughs> wants to live in the world that we live in right now? <laughs> yeah. Basis, um, probably. So that one is a lot easier to write because I don't have to explain to people, you know, like what a cell phone is or, yeah. you know, like what a hospital is. Whereas in the fantasy world, like, Every every time I'm writing, I'll write like a paragraph and I'll think, well, wait, am I assuming that my reader is going to understand like why people do things this way as opposed to like how it's done in the real world? And then I just get lost in the world building and it's a struggle to make it interesting in that regard. Yeah, it's a big issue with world building. Some people love it so much that they lose themselves in it and then they and then they have no plot. Um, getting out of the whole original uh, fiction. Uh, what are your favorite characters and pairings, and why? What makes you love them? Um, Luna Lovegood is my favorite character, hands down. Uh, yeah, me too. I mean, I think she's adorable. I think she's very sweet and innocent, and at the same time, she has uh a way of understanding Harry that I don't think any other character in the series does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she sees him as a person, um, but she also can empathize rather than sympathize with the things that he's lost. Um, and, you know, I, when I read this story, the series originally, I thought for sure Harry and Hermione were going to get together yeah. because Hermione is the only female character that's given any sort of depth by J.K. Rowling. Um, And I also think, looking back now at the canon material, that Luna would have been a much better fit than Hermione or Jenny because of all the things that I just listed. Um, You know, she has this, like, whimsy about her that would, that reminds you of the positive things about the magical world, whereas, you know, for most of Harry's experiences, it was, like, trauma and terror yep uh so he needs something that's like innocent Light. and sweet and kind yeah however it's kind, uh, uh, kindness i think it's the biggest defining trait that luna has yes More absolutely than anything else um i as far as like what i read pairings if i'm gonna go onto fanfiction.net and pick a story by someone that i don't know it will probably be harmony and that's mostly because, you know, every pairing has bad stories, first of all. So mm-hmm. there are terrible harmony fix out there, but there are also terrible stories in every pairing. And the reason I would say I generally find what I'm looking for in harmony more than other pairings is because people, if you're, if, when writers create a romance around Harry and Hermione, it's usually based around things like, their experiences together, um, the their similarities, their similar backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, the time that they spend together, and those are very believable reasons to fall in love with someone. Yep. And 
I appreciate that within that pairing, that's often the the path that is taken, mm-hmm. and it's realistic. Um, so I don't want like a marriage contract that you see the person and you're instantly in love with them. Yeah, and you know it's funny because a lot of the stories that I write, the romances that I write, are um, you know people that don't necessarily deserve romantic success like daphne in a malignant ruse is yeah. not a good person at the start of the story no um Definitely. and gabrielle still isn't a very good person in <laughs> subtle acts but when i'm reading i it's hard to find stories because people don't advertise up front like hey like i wrote a character with flaws and they're going to be redeemed and you'll be happy at the end so it's hard to find stories that uh fit that whereas in harmony like i can just go you know search through and find something that feels like it's written by someone that's been in love before yeah it feels genuine oh and i should say also this uh you know there there are not a lot of fanfics that i've read that like caused me to feel like real heavy emotion Mm -hmm. and two of the ones that spring to mind like if, if you were to ask me like wow like what is something what is a fanfic that you read that, you know, like actually brought tears to your eyes and like you had so much emotion from it? I would say like Vox Corporis by Misanthropic. Yeah, um, many people uh, praise this one. I never read it. It's probably the best love story of any Harry Potter fanfic that's ever been made. Um, it's, I, or sorry, any hetero, because uh, I, I haven't read any Slash, so I don't know mm-hmm. um, what those are like. But and the other one would be "Live Forever" by Petrificus Somewatus, mm-hmm. um, you know, which was just like such a beautiful story, uh, and it had so much emotion in it. And yeah, so I, love that one. I, yeah, it's I, I find that harmony writers are able to um, kind of have that realism, uh, whereas when I read a lot of Hafney stories, you know, it'll be a good story and I'll genuinely enjoy it, but there's never a moment where I, I like get choked up and i think like oh my gosh like you know i i i'm just like overwhelmed by this i don't um, know i i i got really uh stressed reading about your daphne reference remorse <laughs> poor girl jesus christ or everyone in that story. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> jesus <laughs> well yeah, I, I get what you mean. I'm very softy as far as writing. Many things brings me to tears when I read stuff. So that isn't actually a very good measure for me. Because, like, <laughs> I cried watching Pokemon. <laughs> I'm not a good person to judge. Uh, hey, anime can hit you hard. Yeah, it must definitely. For sure. There's one that I've been trying to make people watch called... Uh, I think it's The Sound of Silence. No. I yes. S- uh, I, I have that in my Netflix queue. Yeah, that's amazing. That's beautiful. Everyone should watch it because it's the single best redemption arc that I have ever seen. And it's heartbreakingly beautiful. Um, Moving away from emotional stuff. Uh, you mentioned you want to write original stuff. Obviously, you started writing uh, two stories by now. 
do you see yourself as a writer in the long term or uh, this is only an extra hobby like you do something on the side because it's fun for you or do you actually want to become a pro i ideally i would love to write for a living um but no matter what you know to be a writer a, uh, to be an author like a professional writer it requires so much luck um you know if you look at like jk rowling or even someone like tom clancy Yep. Who I read Tom Clancy's books when I was a kid. Um, you know, my father was in the military. I was really into like the military stuff when I was a kid. Grew up on military bases. I like Tom Clancy, Tom Clancy a lot. Me too. Like his stories are fun, and he, Jack Ryan, his main character, is a good mm -hmm. character. But I went back this last year and I reread three of his books, and they were not good books. Like they weren't good writing. Um, and I thought to myself, like, wow, like this guy was one of the most successful authors in my lifetime. Um, you know, everyone, even if you've never read his books or seen the movies based on his books, you, you know, know who he is. Yep. Exactly. And, you know, J.K. Rowling, who is the most successful author of my lifetime, and she probably was rejected else. how many times? She Sorry, what? She was rejected how many times before she got it published? I don't know, 20, 30. I, she, right. she mentioned something like that. That was so, so it many. requires so much luck to yeah. be a professional writer. Um, Finding your correct agent and hoping the agent will help you get the correct publishing. It's it's very lucky uh, by itself. So, I mean, you're right. Uh, so, you know, will I keep writing in the future? Uh, I honestly believe I will because it turns out I'm actually pretty good at writing. Mm -hmm. Um Sure. Uh, not to be immodest, but no, no, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but whether or not I like how much I write will likely depend on the sort of success that I can find. Okay, okay. Um, bringing back a bit about tropes. Uh, is there anything you wish there was more of, more of, as far as tropes and characters, or even pairings, in fanfic? Uh, there's one thing that I wish there was more of, and this is, like, such a general thing, but, you know, really, fan fiction is, it, it skews young, you know, most of the creators are younger, mm -hmm. and so I, I forgive this, but it drives me crazy, and it's why I don't read as much fan fiction as I used to, and it's two words, character development. Oh. Um, it's the biggest problem. You know, people can complain about tropes all day long. Tropes, like like we talked about before, aren't necessarily bad. No. And every story has them. But having believable characters that act like real people, like, that is vanishingly rare in Harry yeah. Potter fanfiction. Characters okay. should be human. They shouldn't be mannequins just wandering through a plot line. And it doesn't matter how creative you are. It doesn't matter how original your plot is, how many twists and turns you have. If your characters are bland and flat, your story sucks. So 100%. this is such a huge problem. Uh, characters have to grow. They have to be flawed. They have to evolve and change within a story. You know, everyone reads fiction, not so we can see the plot resolved. We read fiction so that we can see the character deal with the plot. So um, my question is this. Character driven oh, go ahead, or, go ahead. or plot driven? 
character driven or plot driven i i mean the two are you cannot delineate between them um because let's say you have a completely character driven story right Mm -hmm. um that that doesn't mean that there's no outside or internal conflict and a plot is a character meeting facing and resolving a conflict that is what a plot is Mm -hmm. so even character driven stories have conflict and plot plot driven stories have characters that are dealing with the plot um and so i i can see the but which one do you prefer that's my oh i see Um, (laughs) i thought you meant like no 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 no, i know no i know that's Um, which one do i prefer (sighs) (laughs) i guess i like writing uh character driven um not necessarily like i think that wrath and remorse and a simple act of vengeance will probably be like my most external plot device of all my stories um, but to be fair, know, most of the things that happened was because of Harry himself, so it's kind of character-driven. Right, uh, you know, he's he's a little boy and in in a simple act of vengeance, and so he makes mistakes that kids make uh, yeah. and does stupid things that have real-world real repercussions. Um, but that, I, I much prefer something like uh, In Living Company... Um, or subtle axis to our side where the character, or even, even a malignant ruse, what, you know, while I'm not super thrilled about that story, I do like how almost sure the whole story, <laughs> almost the whole story though is just Daphne, like, having to come to terms with the fact that the way she's lived her life to this point and growing as a person. Yeah, it, it wasn't good, and so she has to change, and changing is really, really hard to do. Especially uh, as a teenage girl in a world where she basically had to forgo all of her friends to do so. Yeah. So yeah, it's amazing. That's why I love it, because of, of the character development that you had with Daphne. Not the setting itself, well, although I love the setting. It's basically because of Daphne. And I love half name Ixo. There's that. <laughs> Come on, I love it. <laughs> what can I say? Uh, and more characters or uh, parents. You mentioned tropes. That you want more character uh, development. But is there anything specific that you wish there was more of? Uh, honestly, no. Um, you know, like. I, when I read something, like, I, I used to really want to see creative magical combat, mm-hmm. um, because that was a big reason why I started writing Harry Potter fan fiction specifically, because I thought to myself, you know, there's so, it's so easy to come up with, like, really, like, exciting and, like, thrilling battles, and everyone just has wizards fighting like they're, like, 16th century musketeers, like, it's boring. <laughs> Um, you know, so I used to really want that. Like I wanted to have like an action packed fic, like, you know, I mean the original Harry Potter series, it's a, it takes place during a war and you never would know it. Um, you know, it's has the most pathetic action sequences of any war fic. Like the only mildly good one is in book five, I think. I agree. 
Um, and that specifically only the battle between Dumbledore and Voldemort. Yep. Like the whole Department of Mysteries battle is dull. Running around <laughs> and throwing spells. Yeah. Uh, so I, I used to look for that, and now honestly, I just I I enjoy writing or sorry reading good character development pairings. I I still don't really enjoy reading slash, um, <laughs> which I. I sort of wish that wasn't the case because I'm sure that I'm, you know, the majority of Harry Potter fanfics are way. slash. Um, and I must be missing out on some really magnificent writing. Um, but it just doesn't really appeal to me. It's not something that I would actively seek out during my leisure time, which is the only time that I read. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I just kind of accept that that's like a blind spot that I will have. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm not someone that's going to say, you know, I really wish there were more good political fix or I wish that there was, you know, more Harry Luna. Like, no, like I just I'm I'm happy reading good writing. Whatever it is. OK. Um, who has helped you the most uh, with your writing career and who is your biggest inspiration, both in the fan fiction and the traditional literature leader? I stumble with this word every single time. Traditional <laughs> literature. How do you say it? <laughs> literature. It's okay. Literature. Uh, literature. Li- literature. Uh, in traditional lit. That's there better. you go. <laughs> um, so you've been probably the biggest help. Uh, and it's funny because you can go back and look. You know, you came on. I want to say... Your I first chapter that you edited, I think, was 33 in 30, A Simple Act of Vengeance. 31. 31. Yep. But you came on the chapter before, which was 30. Yep. And I I can identify, like, a shift. Um, and maybe, I, I think readers could, too. Um, the story just improves monumentally. I, when, I'd have to re-read, reread everything because it's been so many years. I feel like it's been, it's it's been one, one year. year, but like, <laughs> it feels in my head so many years ago. Um, so but many you've been a so huge many help. things happen with Harry, though. Yeah, uh, you know, you you let me bounce ideas off you. Um, you're very supportive, but you're also honest. Um, I think that anyone out there who wants to be involved in the writing process but doesn't want to put the time into writing should read your blog. <laughs> um about being a beta um because i should write more it's been a while yeah i mean well you you are just the best at it um thank you. and so that's made such a huge difference um i also you're delusional say, but thank you <laughs> uh well wake fan and mr omega 573 um mm-hmm. both of them have been like really helpful um they both also are fanfic authors um Mr. Omega writes uh, Magics of the Ar- Arcanist, Unspeakable Mysteries. Yep. And uh, Wake Fan wrote uh, Dance of Death and Casting Shadows, both of two of which, or both of those Are authors write. Weird. Like, they're uh, sequel and prequel at the same time, written at the same time. So, like, I don't know how, how he does it. I know. I It was impressive. Uh, but they, they also, you know, I talked before about combat. Both of them write some of the most exciting magical combat I've seen, mm-hmm. not just in Harry Potter. Like it's, it's really like thrilling. Um, so they're, they're great. My discord channel is an amazing group of people. They've never let me down when I need help or feedback. Um, mm-hmm. I want to specifically mention, uh, Umbrum, UDM, Trickster, 
Love Sync, and Luke. Um, I could go on. Uh, there's about a dozen readers that really um, they are the reason yeah. I kept I kept writing after a simple act of vengeance because all I wanted to do was write that one story. I wanted to write you know the meteor scene, and I thought like okay I'll get back to my real life. Um, but people like things can be two Look things. Look at you, Williams. <laughs> Look at you. Long self indulgent reviews and Hot Dog One Hundred One. Like those guys kept me writing. Um, so that's made all the difference. As for Biggest like inspiration, inspirations. Uh, I mean, fanfic. I guess I I wanted to recapture like that emotion in Vox Corporis. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's always kind of been my standard uh, that I have not yet met. Because uh, that, I mean, when you read it, you'll understand. But it, it really is like an amazing love story that's I like read so it. full of emotion. Everyone praises the hell out of it. I should probably read it. Um, and in real life, uh, there's a lot of great stories. Uh, I, For me personally, when I was a kid, there was a game called Wing Commander. Uh and it was like a space flying game where, you know, you're like in the cockpit and you like fight aliens and stuff. And <laughs> there was a, <laughs> like a series of books. Wait, what? Like River Raid from the Atari. No, no, no. This is more modern than that. I oh, think okay. more like uh, more like Descent or uh, something like that. Descent Free Space kind of. Oh, okay. But it's... They they made a series of books that were like the backstory of that game universe. <laughs> and there was a book called Action Stations, which is really just a complete retelling of Pearl Harbor, but in the future in space. <laughs> That's got to be amazing. Uh, it was by this guy, William R. Forston, who he he wrote a bunch of Wing Commander books. And he was also a ghostwriter for several, like, right-wing politicians' memoirs. I don't know. Um, but he wrote some original fiction that never went anywhere. Uh, you know, so he, he, like, as an adult, I've looked in, looked him up, and I, I feel like here's this guy who writes pretty well, um, who, you know, never made it with his own writing. So he essentially did professional fan fiction with the Wing Commander stuff, mm-hmm. or he did ghostwriting for politicians. And, you know, he had like a pretty long career as a writer. And I think that's, there's nothing to be ashamed of with that. Um, and that book, Action Stations, like anyone who likes like war or military history, you know, there's like a lot of really like powerful moments of like sacrifice and nobility. And so I think that that was probably uh, the single biggest influence on the way I write. Um, you know, obviously there's been a lot more. Uh, there's one more thing. Uh, you said early, like about like what helped me the most. Uh-huh. And I li- I rattled off like 30 people who like review my stories or who like talk to me about my stories and other authors and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But you and I in the past have talked a lot about uh like my major gripe with this com- with this fandom and it would be like the lack of community among creators. Uh you know, everybody has stories about, like, bad reviews. Um, but in the end, like, a stranger on the internet isn't required to like my stuff or say nice things about it. Um, but it's it's much more problematic that, like, the people who go through the same things that I do, you know, who 
like write these stories within this fandom who interact with the same readers. Um, they do nothing to support like other writers. And I really, that's why I value my, my, the authors on my discord server so much because we all have each other's backs. We promote each other. We help with the writing process mm -hmm. and that makes all the difference. And I would really encourage like any writer out there that's listening, like you're not too good for that. And you should be doing that more. That's good. That's good. Uh, I agree. Um, what would you say it's your one thing that has influenced you as a person? Whatever it may be. Uh, a fanfic, a book, a movie, anything. To the point where your life has changed completely. completely. And why do you love that? Uh... Probably, there's a book called On the Road by Jack Kerouac. Uh, he was a beat writer uh, from the 1950s, um, and it's a very famous book in the United States. I don't know if, if, if it's internationally well-known, so I don't know if you've heard of it. I don't recall it. Okay, so um, like Jack Kerouac, every, I'm, I'm sure anyone who's living in the USA who grew up like knows who he is. But maybe hasn't read him. Um, he's famous for... Um, he writes in a stream of consciousness. Mm. So in On the Road, uh, which is his most famous book, it's about him like wandering around the U.S. almost like a hobo, but him and his friends like partying and like you know stealing gasoline to drive across the country. Um, he'll have sentences that last like seven pages. Uh, What? And it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just him like spewing out stream of consciousness where it, it's wild. But that book, I read it when I was probably 17. And in my life, I moved 11 times before I was 16. Um, as an adult, I've lived in nine different states in the United States. I'm always moving. I've never been in one place for longer than five years in my life. I've never lived in a single place longer than five years. Wow. And that book is all about like the power of like being like and on the road is about him searching for somewhere to belong. Mm -hmm. uh, and that definitely changed my life. And yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I guess that's what I've also been looking for. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Um, if you could give our listeners some advice about becoming writers, what would it be? What do you think is the best uh, thing to focus on as a novice writer? Uh, so I would anybody that says I want to write, what would you, rec what would you you know, tell me? I would give them three pieces of advice. Uh, the first thing, focus on your characters, make them real people, um, make them imperfect, uh, like have, allow them to have goals and motivations and flaws and interests. Uh, because remember that the most boring person alive on earth is still incredibly complex. And uh, they are also their own protagonists in their own life. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next conflict Uh, after characters, conflict is by far the most important thing. Yep. Uh, it doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be like 
world ending stakes like if we don't if we don't solve this problem like the world is going to end or this evil guy is going to conquer kill everybody like it doesn't have to be that it could be finding the right outfit or making it to dinner on time like that is conflict uh but conflict has got to be present in your story because if it isn't there you do not have a story you do not have tension uh, <laughs> and the last thing i would tell everybody not just writers, but anybody that is doing something creative. Love your own work. Uh, tell the story that you want to read, not what you think other people will like. Because if you don't love your own work, why the hell should anyone else? Uh, so be proud of what you've done. Accept that, you know, maybe it's not perfect. Maybe you'll do better next time. Mm -hmm. But still, love your own work. That's awesome. I love it. Um, do you have any recommendations? Uh, either books or fanfics. I mean, I recommend every author that's on my Discord server. <laughs> <laughs> the list is long. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, they, they're they very creative people. Uh, as far as, like, books, gosh, I... Well, you mentioned uh, On the Road. On the Road, uh, anything by Douglas Copeland, uh, who also, I Have Ugly Cried, <laughs> after reading every single one of his books um eleanor rigby uh, yes. is his best one he's a canadian author mm -hmm. i bet i bet salient would know him uh <laughs> and Probably. uh he's he's very very evocative um like very powerful so but i think that's like i think that's what I can think of at the moment, you know, there's always so many things like in 20 minutes, I'll probably be like, Oh, damn it. Like, why didn't I say this? But you know, I'm content with those as my recommendations. That's okay. Well, thank you Freakos for chatting with me today. And thank you listeners for sticking around next time. I'll be interviewing as for the rose 87. And I hope you all, uh, I hope to see you all again. Keep reading and review an author you love. You could really make their day or even make a new friend. Thank you, Pickles. Thank you very much. I loved it. Have a great one. You too. Bye-bye.